Welcome, everybody, to Bridge Builders Communities Church Sermon Podcast. You are listening to one of our messages from our weekly gathering. We hope that you sit back and enjoy and be blessed. tried my best to finally conclude this sermon series on breakthrough from break out, breakdown to breakout. I really tried my best thinking, man, I can really wrap this up this week. It's not to be. There's just too much in this, in the, in this story that God wants us to glean from it. And so much so that I think I wrote like four more sermons this week. We're not going to do four more sermons. We're just going to stay here at the three o'clock today and finish it all up. No, no, not even I want that. So we're not going to do that. But let's pray. Father, thank you for your, your presence here. Uh, we enter your presence. We thank you that you invited us in. So right now. I pray that all of us would drop everything and that we would listen to you closely. That we would hear you clearly this morning. Father, that we would leave this place different because not only did we just touch the hem of your garment, but we touched you this morning. In every way imaginable. And and that we would just lose ourselves in you and in your presence and your promises and your purposes. I do feel that you want to set us free this morning. Because where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is liberty So reconcile our hearts towards yours, our spirits towards yours, and do the work that is necessary for us to believe what your word says this morning. And not only believe it, but do it. We want to be changed sons and daughters this morning. We want to be different this morning. We want to walk differently, think differently, be differently. And only you can do that. So, please... Do that for us today, Father. And we give ourselves to you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. So uh, I'm wondering, because I'm kind of wondering in my own spirit, are you really ready for a breakout this morning? Are you ready to violently overthrow any dictator in your life? Are you ready to take your faith to another level? No matter what it costs you. Are you really ready to violently take back what the enemy has stolen from you? Are you ready to engage in a spiritual military exercise to go into the enemy's camp and remind him that he's defeated this morning? 
Are you ready? I mean, are you really ready? I mean, sincerely, to the bottom of, of everything that you are this morning, are you ready to do this? Because there is no turning back from this. Because all hell will break loose. It will. How many watched the Band of the Brothers ever? You know, the Band of Brothers TV show that was on HBO and watched it. I, I can't tell you. I've watched this thing countless times. And there's one episode where, where they, have, they have just fought a huge battle and they look like they're going to get a break. And then the Battle of the Bulge breaks out. And they're commanded to go into this fight. Some of them don't have weapons. Some of them don't even have ammunition for their weapons. And they have no winter clothing. And there are guys retreating from the battle that they're going into. And, and they're stopping and they're getting guns and ammunition and grenades from these guys. And anything that they can get from, from these guys that have been come back defeated. And they head into a battle. They're tired. They were, they thought they were going to get a break. But there was one more breakthrough in order to get the breakout. And they charged into that battle. Really unprepared. Not the right clothing, not the right ammunition. They weren't even sure where they were going. But they went. They regrouped. And they went. There are moments in this fight, I know it for all of us, and for me as well. But you would just rather throw in the towel. You would just rather just, you know what? I've fought a long time. If this is what it is, I'm going back with those guys that are walking away from the fight. Can't deal with it anymore. Cost too much. So when we talk about a breakdown, we talk about a breakthrough, and then we talk about a breakout. Does any of this sound painless? <laughs> In his book, The Problem with Pain, C.S. Lewis writes this. We can ignore even pleasure, but pain insists on being attended to. God whispers to us in our pleasures. He speaks to us in our conscience, but he shouts in our pain. It is his megaphone to rouse a deaf world. In other words, pain gets our attention. I'm not a particular fan of pain. It's not like I enjoy pain. And certainly there's pain comes in many different forms. We, we, we're well equated with physical pain. And we try to do things to avoid physical pain. Things that we know that, you know, when we're nailing something, we should avoid hitting our hand with a, with a hammer, which I can't seem to do. Some of us avoid going to the dentist because we want to avoid pain. 
And we can set ourselves up to avoid some physical pain. You know, some, we, we, could, we, we could keep ourselves safe from some of that. It's the unexpected that we don't or can't protect ourselves from. There's emotional pain. All of us have experienced emotional pain, the deep, deep sorrow and grief that comes from many different sources. We can list them and we can go on and on and on about it. And then there's the pain of separation from missing someone. Either someone that's passed away or, or someone who that's far away in distance that you don't see that often. We've all experienced that. Then there's this, this pain that I'm not sure we recognize at times. But overlaps our lives constantly and consistently. Maybe without us really being aware of it. It's the pain of a lost world. A pain of, of, of a people who have no relationship with God. And, it, and they don't even recognize the pain that they're in. And that pain, the ripples from their pain, always, always touches us. More than we realize. Either because, uh, because of their pain causes sin, and that sin ripples against us. And we walk and we wade in the ripples of their sin. The choices that they make, the things that it does to society and how society affects us. But there is this overwhelming grief because they don't know God. That affects us every day. People long for God, they just don't know where to find Him. And it's a pain that, that affects us all. Pain gets our attention. I believe that Father God has a message that shouts louder than the, than the shout of pain in our lives. And I, I found this, this Psalm 147.3. To me, it's just a simple answer, quiet answer to this. It says, He heals the brokenhearted and He binds up their wounds. What a simple promise, but a powerful one. You know, our pain gives us a platform. A platform is something that you speak from. It's a, it's a message that you have to, to give someone. And we don't like pain. We don't welcome pain. We don't even want to experience pain if we're honest. But our pain gives us a platform. It gives us a place to speak from. The question is how we deal with our pain saying to the world. What is the message that we're sending out of our pain and how we're dealing with it and how we're allowing God to work in us? And that's why I believe the story of Naaman gives us so many wonderful ways to answer that question. So again, turn to 2 Kings chapter 5. While we're doing that, if someone will also turn to Luke 17, and I will pick on you in a few moments. Naaman has an incurable disease. It is a disease that has spiritual implications as well as physical implications. Technically, someone with leprosy was considered unclean physically, but also spiritually. It was a designation of sin in their lives. 
rightly or wrongly, that's what it was. It meant that something would not only was wrong with them physically, there was something wrong with them spiritually. And it was supposed to make them an outcast. It certainly was not something that you wanted to cuddle up next to, get close to, be in the same proximity with, because of the danger that it pronounced. It was a deadly disease. Naaman knows that he is, he is going to die from this disease. He knows this. Unless he gets killed in battle, because that's what he was, a general, or someone cures him. His pain has made him desperate. The pain of this disease. The pain of what society has projected on him because of this disease. Again, it's amazing that this man remained a general with this disease. It's amazing. He must have been a really great general. Second Kings... We're going to go into verse 13 because we're, uh, we're way deep into the story now. You know the story? He's traveled a long ways from Syria to, to Israel. King freaks out, gets, sends him to Elisha. Travels 40, another 40, 50 miles to get to there. He's come a long ways only for a servant to come out and tell him to go jump into the river, basically. He's angry. He's upset. He's a man of authority, a man of power. He doesn't like taking orders. He gives orders. And he's given orders again from another servant. The name of the River Jordan is uh, very interesting. The Hebrew name for the word for Jordan means to descend into. To immerse into. To sink into. Why is that interesting? Naaman had to humble himself to listen to instructions from a servant, travel further than he wanted to, remove his armor, sign of authority, his protection, and also something he was hiding beneath from all the scars, from the, what leprosy had done to his body. He had to remove his armor. He had to dip himself into a foreign river that actually meant to be humble. That's what it means. That those words. That's what it means. Is to be to humble yourself to, and to dive into something. So he he had to go to a river that actually meant to humble himself. Do you think God is trying to say something to Naaman's pain here? I think he is. So he travels another twenty-five miles or so to go to the River Jordan. In verse fourteen, so he went down. And dipped himself seven times into Jordan. According to the word of the man of God. According to the word. And his flesh was restored. That word actually means come back. It means something was taken from him and his flesh came back. Totally new. Brand new flesh. Everything restored. Everything that leprosy had done to his body. It was completely restored. We could stay there this morning and just think about that and praise God for what God does in healing. 
like the flesh of a little child, and he was clean. And again, that word means, I want to say, he was not just physically cured, he was spiritually cured as well. You're just not excited enough about that yet today. And my point being this, this word is true. Every bit of it. This is not just a story about some great general who had leprosy and that God decided to heal. This is life for us. I'm not trying to get a reaction so, so I feel better. Okay? Because, yes, I do enjoy it when everybody's into it and everybody's getting excited. I do. I, I admit it. Okay? It's great. It's great fun when you're speaking and everybody's getting excited. It's great fun. But that's not what I'm after. That's not what God's after. I want you to be excited about his word this morning. More than anything. And so when I say that, I mean, man, it's just not exciting enough because I, I want you to understand how much God is speaking to you this morning and how much he wants you to be free like he wanted Naaman to be free. Someone who didn't believe in him. Someone that had no relationship with God whatsoever. And by what all counts was, was an ungodly man. That's why I want you to get excited about that God is speaking to you no matter where you are this morning. It's not your level of Christianity that he cares about. He wants your heart and he wants all of it this morning. So that's what I mean. Back to the story. You can. Right, right, right. That's right. That's right. Amen. No, that's okay. Amen. When we talked last week about all the miles that Naaman traveled, we said we, last week we said, you know, how far are you willing to go to be free? I want to add to that to this point because God asked me this week. How much are you willing to obey me? How far would your obedience go? Even when it gets really painful to do so. Naaman was desperate to be cured of this disease and rightly so. But he experienced great pain in order to just to get there. I cannot imagine that it was easy to travel with leprosy. Hundreds of miles. And I don't know about you, but when I get humbled by God, it, does, it, it is painful. It's a lot less pain, painful when I humble myself. But there's still some pain involved with that. Some emotional pain, some, some relational pain goes on. This man is experiencing lots of Pain. And I do believe that there's a great lesson in this. So often we're, we're afraid of experiencing pain. But pain does this for me. Pain reminds me that I am not in control. 
that I need a divine God to deliver me. Naaman was not a believer. He had his own gods back in Syria. They weren't doing a thing for him. They weren't answering his prayers. He knew he needed a divine entity. He didn't know who it was yet. But he knew he needed divine help. And the gods of Syria weren't going to help. So I'm going to travel all the way to Israel. Because he's desperate. Leprosy is called, caused by this bacteria, this, and, and it, it destroys the nerve endings in the body. So it, so it ceases to feel pain. The areas that cease to feel pain, injury could happen, so you don't feel you injured yourself, and there can, an infection happens, and so you start to, your flesh starts to disintegrate. It says he steps into the water of Jordan, he dips himself seven times, and his skin is made brand new. He's got brand new skin. Skin of a young man. Skin like he had when he was a kid. Which means what? He can feel again. He can feel again. He could also experience what again? Pain. Naaman was vulnerable to pain again. His breakout was that he could feel again. He could experience pain again. He was vulnerable to pain again. It makes me back in my mind wondering, because it is, did leprosy make him a better general? And what happened to this man's military career after this? Because you never hear about Naaman again until Jesus mentions him in, in the book of Luke. It says there was lots of people with leprosy in the time of Elisha, but only Naaman was healed. Something to think about here. Naaman was a dead man walking, but now he could feel again. Sometimes your pain, my pain, and the way that God works through it makes us sensitive to the pain of others. Now, the Syrians on one of their raids have carried off a little girl from the land of Israel, and she worked in the service of Naaman's wife. She said to her mistress, would that my Lord were with the prophet who is in Samaria, he would cure him of his leprosy. This little girl, taken on a raid, captured, polite way of saying she was kidnapped from her family, from her home, experienced the pain of separation from her family, experienced the pain of probably having no future of her own, of ever returning to Israel again. Yet out of her pain, she sets Naaman on a path for his healing. That is beautiful. That is absolutely beautiful. Pain wants to be louder than your promise. Pain wants to be louder than your potential. Pain wants to be louder than your purpose. Pain wants you to be quiet and not speak up. This little servant girl wouldn't allow the, all the pain that she was dealing with keep her quiet about her God and what he could do. Even if it meant talking to someone who had control of her life. I find this amazingly Humble and beautiful. There's a lot in this story. There's a lot in this story. You know, what will you cry out over your pain? Jesus is on the cross. He's been beaten nearly to death. He's been nailed to the cross. He's experienced physical pain, the pain of separation from his, from his disciples, from every, all his followers. He's about to experience separation from God when God turns his back on him. He's experiencing the pain of carrying all the sins of the world. Imagine that for a moment, if you can. And what does he cry out over his pain? Father, forgive them. What will you shout out over your pain this morning? This little servant girl had great opportunity to keep her mouth closed 
After all, this guy captured her, kidnapped her. Who knows what he did to her family? I can't imagine that she really actually liked Naaman. Maybe she did. I don't know. But the point was she loved her God. And she had compassion enough basically saying, God, forgive him. I'm going to show him the way to be healed. I'm going to shout out over my own pain so that he gets healed. I find this is incredible. This is incredible. Now we're getting excited on the inside a little bit. (laughs) Father, forgive them. How we respond to pain tells us how we're going to respond to our purpose. Will we back down? Will we shy away? Will we run away because the pain is too great? Will we seek revenge, payback, or withhold the good news of God's salvation because it costs too much? Or will we be like the servant girl and respond to our purpose because she was had a purpose there? And will we respond in mercy, kindness, forgiveness? Second Corinthians 1. 3 through 6. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of mercies and God of all comfort, who comforts us in our afflictions so that we might be able to comfort those who are in any affliction with the comfort of which we ourselves have been comforted by God. For as we share abundantly in Christ's sufferings, So through Christ we share abundantly in comfort. If we are afflicted, it is for your comfort and salvation. And if we are comforted, it is for your comfort which you experience when you patiently endure the same sufferings that we suffer. Do you think God is serious about us comforting other people? What is the greatest comfort that we can give people? The gospel, the Jesus. Yes. What will we shout out over our pain, over our own comfort? God is saying something to us this morning. Our pain gives us a platform. It gives us an opportunity to share other people's pain and point people to God. Back to verse 14. And his flesh was restored. It was turned back like the flesh of a little child. And he was clean. Verse 15. Then he returned to the man of God and all his company. And he came and he stood before him and he said, Behold, I know that there is no God in all the earth but in Israel. So accept now a present, a blessing from your servant. What you return to matters. We said last week that Naaman had, uh, he could have, before he jumped into the river, he had the opportunity to return to Damascus. And that word meant earthly wisdom. He could have returned to after this, he could have returned to Damascus, to, to his way of life. He's cured. He's free. But he returns to the man of God. What you return to matters. Did anyone find those verses in Luke? Luke 17? Okay. Read verses 15 to 17, please. One of them, when he saw he was healed, came back praising God in a loud voice. He threw himself at Jesus' feet and thanked him. And he was a Samaritan. Jesus asked, were not all ten cleansed? Where are the other nine? Was no one found to return and give praise to God except this foreigner? Then he said to him, rise and go. Your faith has made you well. See the connection? What you return to matters. He had opportunity just to, just to go on his way, return back to home, but he came back to the man of God. And he came back in a much different way. Did you notice 
what Naaman does not do. He does, he, there's something here that he doesn't do. Did you, did you see that? Listen to this. Listen to it again. He returns to the man of God with all his troops and people that were with him. He came and stood before him and he said, Behold, I know that there is no God in all the earth but in Israel, so accept now a present or a blessing. There's something that Naaman does not do here. He doesn't mention that he's cured. He says nothing about the healing. He doesn't say, look, my leprosy is all gone. Check this out. My skin is like a new kid. He doesn't talk about his healing. He says, I know that there is no God in all the world but in Israel. That word no in Hebrew means I have now established a covenant relationship between two people. Naaman knows God. And that's what he brings up. There's another thing that he comes back, he returns to, and he wants to offer a present. Something else in there. He says, now may your servant. He's not coming as a general. A man of power. Prestige. Military strength. A servant. This man has been changed. This man is, he's different. He humbled himself, himself. He obeyed. He was healed of his leprosy, but something far deeper happened. And that's what he brings up. I now know. See, I didn't know before. To me, Naaman stepping into the river was one of the greatest stories of an act of faith that I think is in the Bible. There's lots of stories like that, but I, I find this story so fascinating that this ungodly man, find, I don't know what was the final trigger for him to say, okay, I'm going to do this. And he was willing to be obedient, and he reaped this great reward of knowing God on a deeply covenant level. How far are you willing to go for your healing? How willing are you... To be obedient to everything that God has asked you to do, even though it seems whacked out. It seems like a big stretch. It seems crazy. But God is asking you to step into a river of your, of your, not of your choice. Because he wants you to be free. So accept now a present, a blessing from your servant. He doesn't only say a servant, he says, I'm now your servant. Ah, this is amazing stuff here, folks. Elijah refuses to give. It is custom, customary in, this, in, in, in a lot of cultures of this area. River cleansing ceremonies were common among other cultures as well, not just the Jewish faith. Uh, in a Syrian uh, cleansing ceremony, they would go to the river. They would. Uh, it was a number of times. It wasn't just exactly seven. It was a different number for different things. But they would face uh, the north, do it a number of times, dip a number of times, face the south, do a number of times. And then they would offer an offering to the river gods. Because that was customary. That's what they would do. I don't know if this is a residual thinking inside Naaman's mind here that he has to, he has to do something because he's a new believer. He's walking in new skin. He's never done this before. But I also believe that there's a generosity that comes when we get our breakout in our spirit because we realize how much was done for us. That, that realization of knowing God in a deeper way uh, reveals the generosity of our, of our heart. And we want to give back to God. 
But the kindness of God is this, that Elisha re- refuses it. Remember, this is a general. He still has all, the, all that silver, all that gold, and all that clothes that he was going to give the king of Israel. He's got it all. Estimated to be in a, about a million so dollars. God's love is not transactional. God's love is relational. And Elisha wanted to make sure that Naaman understood this. So if it was just that Naaman was being over generous or he was still had some stinking thinking in his mind that still needed to be taught out and did, whatever it was, because the Bible doesn't really say, Elisha wanted to make sure he understood that God's love was not transactional. That we don't buy it. That we don't earn it. But we do receive it. See that? See that? Isn't God kind? Isn't God kind? We don't choose the river. We don't choose the method that God defines. Uh, but God defines the method for us. We don't choose to break out what the victory looks like. God defines the victory. What we do choose is we choose God. See, that's what Naaman did. He came back and said, now I know that there's no God like God. This is a proclamation of worship. This is just not a statement of belief. He's, he, this is worship in there. This is, this is saying, I, I know this God. I'm going to worship this God. So much so that I want to take some dirt home with me. He goes, okay, you want to accept a gift from me, but would you, would you, can I take some dirt home? So that, see, my master, he worships these gods I used to. And sometimes i got to help him bend down. I don't want you to think that I'm worshiping those gods anymore. But if you give me some ground that I could stand on, holy ground. See, holy ground was a, it was a, a sim, symbolized God's presence. And Naaman is thinking, you know, if I just carry some dirt home with me, I'll be able to stand on that. I'll be able to kneel on that. And see, he wants to carry the presence of God with him. He's a new believer. There's still things that has got to get sorted out. But it's not about the dirt. You leave the dirt behind, but you take the ground. You take the ground. Again, we don't know what happened to Naaman's great military career after this. In the, in the chapters that follow this chapter, it's talking about some more uh, military things happening between Israel and Syria. And Naaman is not mentioned in any of those stories. I don't know what happened to his military career. But Jesus remembered who he was. And he mentions him because of Naaman's faith. Naaman's obedience as being the only leper that was healed at that time. So what will you shout out over your pain this week to a world that is in pain? I know we all got it. The pain of watching someone else in pain is not an easy pain either. And I know we've all been there. Don't let the pain out shout this, the Lord is near to the brokenhearted, and he saves the crushed in spirit. Psalm thirty-four, eighteen. 